blah, 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 blah. Um, hey, Casey, welcome to the pod. Hi, glad to be back, my friend. You know, the, we were supposed to have a second guest, but unfortunately, <laughs> Ruben couldn't make it. I hope his family is doing well. Yeah, he, you know, I talked to him earlier today because we, uh, we work on some comic books together. And he's been having some some issues medically, not in a in a serious way, but just like I was like, I really hope this doesn't affect you later. <laughs> <laughs> and it did. So, did here we go. <laughs> well, that uh, will not prevent us from talking about cartoons tonight. Um, so, for listener back up on where this came from, uh, my daughter. Wanted to watch Land Before Time after uh, coming home from school. Yeah. And Land Before Time is only available on Stars, So we bought Stars as an add-on to Hulu. So free plugs for Stars and Hulu and all that. And we've now watched all 13 Land Before Times. But <laughs> I'm flipping through Stars after and going, oh my god, they have the Sonic cartoon from when I was a kid. Ness, do you want to watch this? And she's like, yeah. So we watched an episode and I go, damn, this was grim and dark and trying to warn us about the dangers of technology early on. How many other cartoons do we have that we <laughs> that were like warning us about something and we just didn't listen? And then I started to think about it and I'm like, oh, we didn't listen to the cartoons we watched at all. <laughs> so... That's where this came from. <laughs> so are we only talking about dark? No, we, we, we do not only have to talk about dark kid okay, cartoons, okay, but okay, cool. there will be some flow in of dark kid cartoons. I am okay with that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, let's start bright and cheery, first of all. Uh, so I am super into all things kids cartoons right now because my daughter's into all things kids cartoons right now. And there are some rough ones out there. I don't know if you've heard of a cartoon called Sophia the First. Uh, it is a rough Disney cartoon. Um, but there's some good ones too, like Elena and Bluey and, um... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like no. a lot of the other kids, <laughs> a lot of the other kids' cartoons today are watchable, but they're not like super enjoyable. Like Elena and Bluey, I'll actually watch with her, especially okay. Bluey. Bluey's seven minutes long, each episode. It's a fun little Australian cartoon. Yeah, I, I so I still watch cartoons. Um, definitely still watch cartoons, but. I don't watch the, I guess, the typical kids' cartoons, and my daughter's too young to watch anything and understand it, you know, only being one. So we haven't gotten there yet. I'm sure there's definitely going to be a point where I will be in the same boat as you, where I'll be watching a bunch of, I guess, modern cartoons and, and realizing how horrible they are. Um, we just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, sometimes I let her watch stuff out of her age range, and some of it is really good. So, like, the new DuckTales uh, is oh, yeah, really yeah. good. Um, we've watched Phineas and Ferb. We've watched the movies more than the cartoon. But that's something I've, I would watch on my own. 
and I actually want to watch um, Gravity Falls, which is another, I believe, kids cartoon, but aged at the seven to like thirteen range, I think. So yeah, that's that's supposed to be one of the best. Um, this Steven Universe fellow is supposed to be really phenomenal. Um, I think it's like Bobby and Billy and a Grim Reaper is supposed to be really good. I can't remember what the name of it is. Oh, um, Grim. Just Grim? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just Grim. I, I used to watch that. And, yeah. You know, um, oh, what was the Nickelodeon cartoon that was kind of on that same level? Fairly Odd Parents. Not nearly as dark, but I liked Fairly no, no, Odd Parents. It's a good, good show. Yeah, that yeah. was a good show for sure. So, and I mean, I think there's, uh, we'll, we'll save a portion for adult cartoons a little bit later. <laughs> um, but, you know, so thinking back on the cartoons we grew up with, I think we grew up with just a little bit different cartoons. We grew up a little bit different age ranges. So, uh, I mean, some of the big cartoons I had were, um, Cowboys of the Moo Mesa. Uh, I don't think it lasted very long, but it was like a wild, wild West, uh, story where the, everyone was cows or some of the bad guys were bats like in human form. That was a nineties. That was a 90s thing. Yeah. There was another one. I want to say it might have been even a PBS cartoon. It was called Crow, and it was an educational cartoon. And it was about a woolly mammoth that was frozen in a block of ice. And a professor in the 90s found him and unfroze it. And the woolly mammoth could talk. And he was telling stories to the people of his friend Crow. And Crow was a smart boy. And he was a Cro-Magnum man where everyone else was Neanderthal. And like there'd be an episode and Crow would invent the pulley and it would explain what the pulley was. And it was not, I, I does not strike a bell. Maybe if I saw a picture, I would get it, but no, I never, I never know of this cartoon. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, then the classics Rugrats and Doug and, uh, those cartoons, um, and then because my uncle worked at my great uncle's video store, I got a selection of cartoons that were probably just a little bit too old for me and not American cartoons. So Voltron was one of the early things I watched, like the 1980s Voltron. Definitely um, because of, yeah, there's a little bit of age gap there. Definitely watch Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I also watched, um, and you you brought this up to me. Uh, I watched a lot of Hanna-Barbera, and I know you did too, because I feel like Hanna-Barbera has never really left. But you were telling well, me about Scoob, and I, I, I don't know if I told you I watched it. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, um, I watched it a couple weeks ago, right after you told me. It was great. Well, let's have a Scoob conversation next, yeah. but... The reason I was big into Hanna-Barbera is because it was what my dad liked. And on top of that, early Cartoon Network was pretty much just the Hanna-Barbera catalog. Like Wacky Races, Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest, stuff like that. So Mm. you watch Scoob. What were your thoughts on Scoob? So like you said, a backdoor pilot to the Hanna-Barbera universe. Um so Warner Brothers owns uh, that, Scooby-Doo, Hanna-Barbera. Um, and that they've done a recent thing, I think within the last like four years or so, 
where they brought a lot of those characters into their own series. So like Jim Lee was working on Scooby-Doo in like a modern version of it. So um, I've always, you know, I don't know if you can see my mystery machine. I've always been a big Scooby-Doo fan forever. And um, I guess when I watched the preview, I just assumed that they were kids the whole time. It didn't make me not want to watch the movie, but it didn't make me want to run and watch it. But when I found out that they were like just their normal uh, early 20s selves that they are in the cartoon, when that happened, I was like, oh, did they even show this in the previews? Like this this, this was, movie is way different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, so they, I feel like in the previews, gave us very little of what actually happened. I think yeah. it's one of the first movies I've seen that the preview only probably contained footage from the first 30 minutes of the movie. If that man, because um, like that kid stuff is like, it's fast. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so the preview also had a little bit of when Scoob and Shag end up in the blue Falcon, but outside oh, of that, like yeah. everything after that, I was not expecting captain caveman. Um, how important of a role Dick Dastardly played to it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. Uh, so uh, in rewatches, cause I think I've watched it now three or four times. I've caught some of the Easter eggs in it. Um, so the very early on when uh, Shaggy's putting on the Ezra Klein podcast, he listens to, there's yeah. a giant ad behind him that says uh, Casey's. Uh, I did notice. Yeah. Um, but yep. one of the more obscure things I caught was when they were in the broken down amusement park and they're the at the arcade and trying to stop Dick Dastardly. One of the arcade machines they throw in front of the door is Hong Kong Fooies. Uh, and then I think it says like Kung Fu Attack or something. Yes. And I yeah. think there's even more sneak like things in there, but it well, is sure definitely. Yeah a back door to a whole Hanna-Barbera universe. And I hope it actually happens because Scoob was enjoyable. Yep. I absolutely agree. And, and yeah, I'd like to see those characters still have life. You know, uh, I always watched Looney Tunes as a kid and, you know, the nineties had a little bit with Animaniacs and um, the Tasmanian devil show. Um, they got, Animaniacs is coming back, isn't it? Animaniacs come back. Sorry, Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons, yes. Um, Though Animaniacs, I will say, is in that realm. But yes, you had Taz, and then you had Tiny Toons, and that kept it up in the 90s. But that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I would be hard-pressed for a kid born past 1995 to even know a Bugs Bunny or a Tweety or... Any of those characters, you know, yes, they're in our pop culture, but like, unless you put out, you know, there is going to be a new Space Jam. It got pushed back because of COVID, so they'll get it there. But like, I feel like those characters just haven't been in the forefront in a long time. Didn't they do a Brendan Fraser Looney Tunes movie in like 2008 or something? Yeah, so... Um, I'm not right. saying it did well. I'm just no, saying, didn't you're, that you're happen? Right. Yeah, yes. So, but okay, you can't give me one a decade and expect me to really... Oh, yeah, no, no. No. Yeah, and so I'm really hoping Scoob turns into a whole thing. Though I do have to tell you, uh, 
we we didn't know all the voice actors the first time we watched it, and we thought that uh, Blue Falcon was not Mark Wahlberg, but was Ryan Reynolds doing the Deadpool voice most of it. And then we're like, it sounds like Ryan Reynolds, but I don't think it is. And we finally had to look it up. Yeah. So. Uh, he did a good job, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after I knew uh, Dino Mutt was Ken Jong, all I could see was Ken Jong every yep. time he spoke. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was an enjoyable movie. All right. Yeah. Back to your cartoons. So, your cartoons would have been a little bit different than mine, they would have been mid 80s or so yeah early early 80s um you know it's it's my aunt always says she you know she's in her 60s but she always says that like the decade you were born in isn't necessarily like your decade it's technically the one that comes after because like that's where you start experiencing things more like as a teenager or whatever so i'm born in the 80s and believe me, I'm an 80s kid till I die. But technically, you know, like the 90s stuff would be the stuff that I kind of remember a bit more. Um, but that being said, I definitely remember having a fourth birthday party with He-Man. That was the theme. <laughs> um, mask. Um, do you know them? It's like mobile armored strike command. And what I they don't. are. Oh my gosh. Mask is so insane. Like. It is uh, basically G.I. Joe and Transformers. So okay. they, they are this mobile armored strike command. That's what it is. They have these vehicles. They got to stop these bad guys. The vehicles will transform. So you could be driving a car that turns into a motorcycle that turns into like a helicopter. It was badass toys. Badass toys. Man, I don't know if I know Mask itself, but I feel like that toy line at least had been recycled as something else. Maybe. That Kenner did it all the time. So, yeah, Mask, um, He-Man was a huge one. Turtles, huge. Thundercats, very big part of my life. Um, You know, those those were the, the big three, probably, when I was a kid. And then there's offshoots like shirt tails, <laughs> snorks. Oh God! Uh, yeah. Oh man, that just made me think of the Smurfs. I used to watch the Smurfs, Smurfs a lot. So, so Smurfs came out first, and then Snorks were the equivalent of Smurfs, but underwater. Like that's all it was. Yeah, it was I... like the same exact thing, just underwater. Um. Yeah, you know, there's tons of, like, those kind of things. But then, you know, as things went on, and I, I think you and I would start crossing paths, is, like, Doug. Yep. Rugrats. Um, a little bit further down the road was, like, Recess and stuff like that. And I didn't quite get into that See, stuff. That Recess was, like, was, was my like, jam. Yeah. That, that was, <laughs> I was a Recess kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, and we had crossover, too, because I feel like, a lot in the 90s they didn't produce a ton of new stuff so there was also i mean like (laughs) okay there was a lot of syndication of the old stuff on top of the new stuff so i watched turtles and uh transformers and uh 
Voltron once it hit regular TV. Yeah. Um, and then, oh man, I don't even. I had so another one. The thing, so the '90s were. You got Sonic. Yep. Super Mario Super Show actually was in the '80s. Um, Captain and the Game Master was in the 80s and that was like a lot of the Nintendo stuff but like 90s also had um, Mega Man uh, which was Not great Mega Man it was a great show it also had um, Earthworm Jim one of my favorite theme songs ever that was really good um, they were trying to do the cross promotion thing where if you had a hot video game then maybe that translates into a, sh- a show, a cartoon show. Like, even though Recess, or uh, not Recess, um, Reboot wasn't oh, a video game, but it was the first show that I can remember that started utilizing CGI graphics. And then you got Transformers Beast Wars. Those were the first two that used that new technology. And now it's like, the norm, you know, I mean, Paw Patrol, I think, uses uses CG. CG. Like, uh, it's also done but, in yeah. Canada, like Reboot was done in Canada. Yeah. I think I could probably do, I'd have to rewatch it, but an entire podcast episode on Reboot. I have to watch it again. That show. Yeah. It was yeah. an amazing show. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> We'll continue talking about regular cartoons, but there's another one I have to bring up that is actually, I think, late 70s, early 80s. And it's one of my favorites that only lasted two seasons, and it was Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I did not know this till recently. But, well, so Thundar the Barbarian apparently was created by a split off of Hanna-Barbera. Some Mm -hmm. of the people from Hanna-Barbera wanted to make more... Um, not fully adult content, but a, a adult, older kid content. Yeah. And Hanna Barbera wasn't into it, so they went, made their own studio and made Thunder the Barbarian. Well, apparently, it wasn't a full split off of Hanna Barbera, or Hanna Barbera then acquired the rights to that content after that studio folded. So Thunder the Barbarian is currently owned by WB. So HBO Max. Bring Thundar the Barbarian back. <laughs> Please give us like a dark, gritty cartoon on HBO Max of Thundar the Barbarian. Yes, I um, I fully support this idea. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really good one um, that, again, fell into that same block, like you mentioned before, with like Johnny Quest and some of the older ones too. Um, one, I can't remember what it's called. Got, so it's Gotcha Man. In America, it's called Attack of the Planets. Um, I don't, that might be too old for you. So I don't was, know that one. It was one of those like Speed Racer, Voltron, uh, this one, Attack of the Planets, um, which was like early anime coming to America and the voices are dubbed and you just knew as a kid, I don't know why this doesn't look like these, but it does, <laughs> it, but it's cool. <laughs> Whatever this is, is cooler than this. 
Well, on that, I, I feel like we would be remiss to skip over anime. So, I mean, I definitely had my anime phase. I watched all of uh, Dragon Ball Z, then Dragon Ball, and then I tried to watch GT and just could not get into it. It just didn't have the same feel to it and didn't play out well. And GT didn't come to America until 2007, maybe, was when we finally got the English dubs of GT. Um, or at least on Cartoon Network, where you didn't have to go out and like buy the DVDs to see it. Um, but then I also watched Sailor Moon. Um, Voltron definitely had that anime feel to it. And then as I got older, um, um, oh man, I almost said reboot. Trigon and uh, Zoids was another big one for me that I liked. These were the ones Cartoon Network used to pick up, so... Yeah, um, I went through a real big anime phase. I want to—I guess it's like mid '90s to late '90s, where uh, Dragon Ball absolutely watched every single one of them. And, uh, it was Dragon Ball Z, and then I did go back, and then like just like you said, GT just couldn't really get into it too much. But I have watched Dragon Ball Super. I haven't watched all of it, but it's—it is drag. It's just Dragon Ball Z. It's so good. It's very good. Um, but I've watched all the movies that they've put out uh, since, since Z. Um, and then, yeah, I watched Trigun. And I can't remember what year Cowboy Bebop came out. That might that might have been early 2000s. And um, what? So now I'm thinking, like, not quite anime, but, like, I also watch Boondocks. You know what I mean? And, like, then that's has got coming. that. Yeah, yeah, that's coming to HBO. Well, it's like it's still anime, but it's it's um, our anime, the Western anime, like Castlevania. Like that studio is in Austin, Texas. So like it's you can't technically call it anime without it being in Japan. But at the same, it's time, got that that's what art, the art style, style is. Yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, uh, you know, I. D- do you remember what FYE was before it was FYE? It used to before. <laughs> Please okay. explain. <laughs> so the company FYE, which is now I think folded, I don't think it exists anywhere anymore. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, at least in Grease Ridge Mall, before it was FYE, it was something else. I don't remember what the name of the company like was. Me- FYE Media Play. It like wasn't Sun Media Coast Play. <laughs> no, but it was something else before FYE. And so they used to have a ton of anime. So I got some of the old Dragon Ball movies, the English dubs on those. And there's one Dragon Ball movie that I watched that was really interesting. But it was like Goku, Bulma, and Krillin end up at Dracula's castle type thing. And it was just like so weird. That sounds fun. <laughs> it was fun. It's, the Sounds VHS good. is probably still at my parents' yeah, house. Yeah, anytime so. you see uh, Krillin, I'm always a big fan. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. All right, so anime. I, I got to get back into some of the anime. Like, sometimes I scroll through Netflix and Hulu and them, and I'm like, there's so many anime shows that look interesting, but I have so much else on my watch list. Like, uh I got really into the new version of Voltron for the first two seasons. And then I haven't watched, I think there's a third season. I haven't watched that yet. 
There's six, man. There's six now? Yeah, like Damn. it ended uh, recently. Did we get a complete year. arc at yeah. least? Oh, yeah, okay. it's done. Yeah, okay. like they, they, they gave it the, the full uh, shebang. Um, yeah, I haven't watched. Okay, so anime-wise, you know, like I said, Castlevania, but it's not technically anime. Oh, okay, I'll tell you what I did. Not for kids at all. I was always seeing the stuff for Attack on Titan. And How was that? Every reason it is as big as it is, I get it. Like, it took me a couple years. Like, I would see, like, that big head, you know, yeah. like, going over the tower and stuff like that, or the castle gate, and I was just like, what is this? Like, why are people losing their minds over this thing? And then... Yeah, I think it was about a year or two after it premiered, I watched it and I binged it and I was like, okay, I see why you are all as into this as you are because it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's just very very good. Um yeah, love Tech and Titan for sure. So, I think our transition now has to be into superhero cartoons. Uh, because we got some amazing superhero cartoons over uh, the 90s and early 2000s. Right off the top of my head, I'm thinking the Batman animated series, Spider-Man, X-Men, and then um, Static Shock. <laughs> Static Shock. <laughs> Static Shock was my jam, too. So Okay. Yeah, you know, um, that's the thing, right? Like, those 90s... The, those three specifically, if you watched them and, and you watched them at the time that they were on, to this day, the bar is so high and I don't think it will ever be reached um, as far as the quintessential, these are my X-Men, this is my Spider-Man, this is my Batman, to this day. I gotta say, I've rewatched some of the X Men and Spider Man now that they're on Disney Plus, and I don't think X Men aged as well as Spider Man for watchability. Not that it was a bad show for the time, but I find Spider Man significantly more rewatchable today than I do the X Men show. Um, so, no. oh, no, no, I. Uh, you know what it is for the X-Men cartoon is that I appreciate it. So, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, cartoons and all this stuff. I worked at family video for a number of years. And when you work there at, at the video store, you can only watch certain things that aren't going to piss off customers yeah. or them in cartoons. Typically is one of those things that you can get away with. So I actually ended up watching all the X-Men a lot, Spider-Man a lot, Batman a lot, because we could watch them in the store and it wasn't going to offend anyone necessarily. The themes that they deal with in that X-Men show are not for kids. No, no, the themes definitely aren't. I yeah. think it's more the... Spider-Man has got to be the newer of the two, because the animation and voiceover work seems better in Spider-Man than it does in X-Men. And I think that's what I mean by rewatchability is that Spider-Man has just aged a little bit better from a rewatchability standpoint. So let me, let me, um, 
direct your listeners and, and you. Have you ever listened to the podcast um, How It's Made? Or uh, hold on, hold on. I actually literally just brought it up because I remember this episode. It's uh, How I Built This with okay. Oz. Okay. So this podcast, How I Built This, um, whatever, it's just about different businesses and blah, 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 blah. He does this episode with uh, Haim Saban. The, and the guy from Power Rangers? So you think that. And I was like hesitant to listen to the episode because I go, I'm not really a Power Rangers guy. I had just, I wasn't at that age. I didn't really care. I had some friends who still liked it, but I just never got into it. But I was like, okay, I like this podcast in general. I will listen to this episode. Haim Saban, for me, literally created the theme songs to almost every one of the shows that we grew up with. <laughs> Heathcliff, uh, X-Men. Um, I'm sorry, like I'm blanking because it, it was like, it's a staggering amount of these cartoons that we grew up with that this guy either created, created the music for, wrote, whatever. The dude had his hands in all of these shows from the late 80s, early 90s. And he tells the story of X-Men and how it started off, they had a bunch of money. And as the years went on, they got less money and they started actually outsourcing the writing and the voiceover to like Yugoslavia or like some, <laughs> like literally like some, you know, Eastern European city so that like, he even admits, like, it goes downhill because we just, even though it was wildly popular, we didn't want to spend the money on it. So we didn't. <laughs> we just thought we can crank out, you know, 70 episodes a season and, like, these writers will just have to deal with it. So it's a really cool podcast, period. It's a really great episode about some of these cartoons that you grew up with and um, this guy who had his, his hands in all of it, but he does go on to tell you a little bit specifically about the X-Men animated series and why it gets uh, shittier. Okay. Well, I, I want to talk about Batman, but before oh, I do, sure. I, I want one more point on Spider-Man. Cause I know you're a big Spider-Man guy too. Just my um, <laughs> So, I think of all the cartoons I've watched, there is one like frame from a cartoon that is burned into my head and always will. I think it is like one of the best frames from a cartoon I've ever seen. And it was when Peter Parker initially gets the Venom suit and he has that dream sequence with Venom and Spider-Man playing tug of war with Peter Parker's body over. I think it's over the New York City skyline um and if comic cons ever become a thing again in this covid world and i ever get to attend one i would totally pay an artist to do a commission of that that picture and i would love to have like a poster size picture of that so i don't i'll have to show you uh what i've got in the spider-man wing of my room it is a 
it is a frame from Spider-Man the Animated Series. It's Spider-Man versus Venom by the guy who animated it. Um, he was at a Buffalo Comic-Con. Uh, you know, I don't know where you guys listen to this, but we're in upstate New York. And yeah, um, it's one of my, my prized possessions because I love that series so much. Um, that would be awesome. There was a, there was a uh, CD-ROM game back in the day for my for my dell computer gateway gateway computer <laughs> gateway computer sorry um where it was they had one for batman and for spider-man and those are my two favorite superheroes that i've loved since i was a kid they go neck and neck for me um where you could do you could make your own cartoons oh that's super cool oh my god it was like the greatest thing so you could they had like different animations, you know what I mean? And they had music and, uh, you know, like Banff effects and, you know, punch and all that kind of stuff. Like, so you would make your own cartoons. So I had it for Spider-Man and for Batman, but the Spider-Man one was actually my, my favorite and um, super, super fun. But yeah, I know the scene you're talking about. Phenomenal. Just, yeah. I mean, that, that show did do some great themes and all that stuff as well. Yeah, they yeah. Both of, Marvel's always I feel like been especially in the cartoons more socially conscious and to the point that their car- kids cartoons are not kids cartoons. I mean like the X-Men is about racism when it comes down to it. So yeah. Uh, and they there's a lot of that. But the Batman cartoon because first of all the the animation style on that the fact they did it on dark paper to give it that gritty look and then second of all um the best joker in <laughs> all of batman is one luke skywalker and we were introduced to him in the batman cartoon so yeah that was definitely um even though it was a cartoon again you know, uh, up until that point, it was, you know, Cesar Romero from Batman 66 show and Jack Nicholson uh, from Batman 89. And then and then this Mark Hamill takes on the role in the in the animated series. And that, to me, defined who the Joker was as a character, because Cesar Romero is fine. It's so goofy. Like the whole show is goofy. So. And he has like he painted over his mustache because he refused to shave it, sort of thing. Like, okay, <laughs> like whatever. And then you you get Jack Nicholson, and even as a kid, even though I love that movie forever, it's really still Jack Nicholson being <laughs> Jack Nicholson. You know, yeah. it's it's, it's uh, you know Jack Torrance. Uh, <laughs> you know, from shining just with white makeup, in my opinion. Um, and, and that's fine because I love Jack Nicholson and he, he is who he is. And, you know, so great. Um, but I think with the Joker, um, in the animated series is where you actually got to see some layers. So you do see the maniacally evil side, um, you get to see the playful side. You get to see the side when Harley gets introduced. The I mean, the, that's the birth unquote, of Harley side. Yeah, it's the love of Harley. So or the birth of Harley. So, you know, 
you, you get to see a little bit more of a well-rounded uh, character, in my opinion, with, with that Joker more than any other Joker that we had seen to that date. Yeah, and, you know, just that show in general was so good, and it spanned uh, into Batman Beyond, which I absolutely loved Batman Beyond. I thought Batman Beyond was amazing. Um, I'd love, I even tried to read some of the newer Batman Beyond comics, but they're just not as good as regular Batman. Um, and I want to keep it within the world of cartoon TV shows and not so much movies because that could expand this too far. But I do have to say with, with the world as it is today, uh, Mark Hamill's Joker the end of the killing joke, his laugh when he's looking into the puddle and just looks up and starts cackling that laugh that he does in that killing joke movie that has become my go-to feeling today, like tweet video because it's just so creepy, but catches something so well. I mean, it, it made me really respect. I, I have more respect sometimes for voiceover actors than I do for regular actors because they have to do so much with their voice and emote so much. And a lot of times they're not doing their own voice as well. And especially when they can go, I've seen voice actor actors who can have a conversation between two characters and be going back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing that. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a different level of acting, absolutely. You know, and I think, like, yeah, okay, so DC animated movies, but they are cartoons. Yeah, they are cartoons. That's like four. Um, and I remember uh, the first one when I saw The Mask of the Phantasm in the theater and just being, like, I mean, my, my little mind was blown away by, like, that. Seeing, you know, and it was something... I don't even know if it happens that much to this day where you see something on your television screen and then you see something in the theater. You know what I mean? Like I can count on maybe one hand where that's happened where like, I remember X files did it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Doctor who has done it. South park did it. So South park did it. And probably it will stay with cartoons. Right. In one of the best way, I mean, the South Park cartoon is a literal masterpiece, in my opinion. Like, because it's just, it's extremely smart. It still holds up today. The music is absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, sticking with cartoons and maybe kind of going into the older realm, right? Yeah, like, I was going to say into yeah. the adult cartoons. Yeah, the only South thing Park. I want to touch on really quick before yeah. adult cartoons both of the Star Wars animated cartoons are very great, but th- we've done different podcasts on those oh, uh, for Star Warriors. So just go listen to those podcasts on the Don't Forget a Towel Network instead, because we don't need to cut co- recover Rebels and Clone Wars. So, this is true. but yeah, adult cartoons. I mean, I feel for a long time, especially up through the 90s, there was this stigma that cartoons were a thing for kids and it was treated that way like dragon ball was extremely edited to make it a kids 
friendly show. Same thing with Dragon Ball Z. And I, I love the fact we finally have accepted that cartoons are not only for kids. And now we have a whole series of adult cartoons. Family Guy, South Park, Rick and Morty, Archer, uh, I, Boondocks. There's so many more, too. Um, so let's talk about adult cartoons a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll show my age a little bit more. Um, in the 90s, there was uh, The Critic. Uh, with oh, John that... Lovitz. Yeah, I was going to say that was the John Lovitz one, wasn't it? Yep, and that was actually, as somebody who I've always grown up as a huge movie fan, too, it was, it was, it was cool just to kind of hear that talk um, that you didn't also, you know, as the critics go. There was Duckman, uh, who was voiced by Jason Alexander. Um, he was a detective. Um, that was really good. That was on USA. I think they both might have been on USA. So USA had some more adult cartoons and then each or uh, MTV had the, their line of cartoons, which was called liquid television. And that was the max, which was a comic book that got turned into a cartoon. Uh, the head, which was just a weird comic. And then Ian flux, which got turned into a movie with Charlie's Theron playing the title character. Um, and then on HBO in the late 90s was the Spawn cartoon, which is still one of my favorite cartoons ever. It's absolutely just phenomenal. Um, and Keith David does the voice of Spawn, and it is extremely dark. It's, I've it's, never seen that, but you oh said Keith God. David, and I'm like, I yeah. need to watch this. I'm telling you right now. I might have it on DVD for you. Yeah, I do. You could borrow it. That w- I think it won uh, Emmys and all this other stuff. Like it was because it was the first time that we saw. Like I think there was nudity as well, and it was extremely violent, but it was really just well made. And it was on HBO, so HBO typically wins a bunch of Emmys as they always do. So um, that was probably the most like hardcore adult that we had seen on television. Is, the is this Todd McFarlane's spawn? Yeah. yeah. It's on HBO Max. Oh, well, duh. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, check it out on there. But, um, and I had, so I was watching all those, too, when I was a kid because, you know, I, I had a single mom and watching whatever I wanted because she just, like, didn't really have the time to pay attention to some of this, you know, Oh, it's animated. Oh, okay. It's fine. You can watch this. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a funny thing. I I had to age into cartoons. So I remember, um, my parents did not like, and I don't even know if these were considered super adult cartoons. I don't think they were like me watching, uh, Ren and Stimpy Beavis and Butthead or Rocco's modern life. Um, I mean, Rocco's is the tamest of the ones you just Yeah, uh, it's the tamest. Yeah. Um, And then I, even though I had friends who were watching it, I was not allowed to watch South Park the first few seasons that it was out. I think I was like 14 by the the time I finally saw an episode of South Park. Yes, I mean, South Park was extremely bad. (laughs) Kill Kenny. You bastard. Yeah, South Park was not. Uh, I mean, luckily, I think I was like, I, 
yeah, I was actually still in high school then, so it was it was bad though. But um, at that point, my mom was just like, "You've already seen enough evil stuff. Like you could probably watch this." Man, South Park. The uh, I think it was the nine eleven episode where they do the stairway to heaven. Oh. Um, or the ladder to heaven where they try to go up to Kenny yes. in heaven. That has been that, that episode was great. And then of course the famous world of Warcraft episode. Great episode. Fantastic. Great episode. <laughs> Absolutely amazing episode. Um, yeah. and I mean, those guys have done great things outside of, um, you know, South park too. I mean, last year I finally got to see book of Mormon on uh and rochester at the theater so yeah yeah they um they went to uh school for music uh and you know i mean they, at their core they are musical composer you know what i mean and and like their first movie uh trauma movie was cannibal the musical and it's fantastic and then their next movie was orgasmo which was not it was not a musical but <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty great. And then they did, and then they did South Park. So, um, yeah, good guys. I I I've loved everything that they've done. Yeah, and then, oh man, we got the cartoons of today, like the adult cartoons of today, and Rick and Morty. I think is just high quality stuff. Though um, rumor is uh, Dan. Harmon is on board to do the movie of community. And if he has to put Rick and Morty aside to work on community, the movie, please do. That's fine with me. I, you know, Rick and Morty, I think I came to it, I think about a year later, maybe two years later. And I kept seeing people at comic cons dressed up as Rick. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was like Doc Brown, which obviously that's <laughs> I mean, the point. It is. Yeah. So I was just like, what is this weird Doc Brown type character? I don't, I don't know what it is because I haven't had cable. That's the other thing, man. I haven't had cable since I'm not even joking. Probably like 2004. <laughs> like it's been a really, really long time that I have subscribed to a cable service. <laughs> I've always had a cable log in. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I caught, I, I think I got turned on to Rick and Morty right as season two was airing. I went back, watched all of season one, thought yeah, it was really yeah. intelligent, and then picked it up from there. And then, I mean, the Adult Swim content is great. Uh, I think you might have turned me on to this one, or one, someone in our group did primal that does me yeah yeah that was absolutely amazing too yeah that yeah jen d i can't ever say his last name terror no 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 he um he's the one who did the first clone wars before dave filoni he did the 2d animation one it, it's absolutely fantastic um and then he's gone on to do big quote-unquote well, they're big. They're huge. Uh, the Hotel Transylvania movies. Um, he's the one who started that franchise, and those are huge. I can't believe, like, I've seen those advertised that he is the one that did those as well. I think what it was was, like, 
just the same way that normal actors work, right? Like you kind of do your indie projects and then you get like a, so he's the guy who did Samurai Jack, which was huge. So Samurai Samurai Jack was great too. Yes. So people love that. And he probably did other things before that. He probably worked on Powerpuff Girls and stuff. Like, back when, like, Cartoon Network was getting started. Which I love Powerpuff Girls as well. Also coming back, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, I just want to see more Mojo Jojo. And I saw that movie. That, okay, so that was a cartoon movie that did end up in theaters. They did a movie for that. And I saw it. It was great. Um, so, anyway, whatever. Jendi has worked in animation for a very long time. And... Um, did really phenomenal work and is kind of, he kind of gets to pick and choose at this point, whatever the heck he wants. So if he wants to make a cartoon about a, a caveman and the dinosaur, and there's literally no dialogue at all and win Emmys for it, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and cartooning's great right now. Cause like, I know uh, the newest Phineas and Ferb movie was finished remotely when COVID hit they all did their dialogue at home and i know cartoons has been one of the things that has like consistently uh kept up during all of this because they could keep working and i've heard a lot of the voice actors for cartoons are busier now than they were pre-covid yeah i have a i have a voiceover friend um who he works on video games and cartoons and everything and he has said that this has been the busiest he's ever worked um, because just like you, you said, like you, if you, if you have the home studio to do it, you know what I mean? Not a lot of these actors don't. So like, that's kind of been a bad thing for them, but these people who have their own home studios that are set up, yeah, they're doing a lot more work because they just, they just physically can do it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess I got one more point to make before I bring us into the conspiracies part of the podcast. Um, and that it well, first of all, I think we could do a whole episode on voice act over work too. Uh, you know, between video games and cartoons, the stuff they do. Um, the better of the two series, in my opinion, Futurama. And by better of the two, I mean I think it's better than The Simpsons. Uh, Futurama. That was a great show. Like so, I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to you know, be really horrible here. I have seen Futurama. I have not seen the entire series. Okay, well, I have not seen the entire series either because it was re-saved by Comedy Central, and I missed a lot of the Comedy Central episodes. But I think I've seen most of the Fox run Futurama. Yeah, like, if you ask me who Zaf Brannigan is, I can tell you it's Phil Hartman and etc. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I in to your point seasons 1 through 10, which is a long time, um I could probably quote you almost word for word all those episodes of the Simpsons. That's how much of a hardcore Simpsons fan I was. I even watched it before I should have on the Tracy Ullman show. Like that's I go back to the Simpsons. But I don't know what happened at that switch uh after 10 and going on forward where i tried and i just i could not get into it and i thought i thought south park and at the time uh family guy were just doing things so much better that i just fell off the simpsons so futurama um definitely was 
because of a sci-fi fan and a Star Wars fan and, and that kind of feel, I always liked Futurama from the beginning. I thought it was fantastic. Jeez, and we didn't even really talk about Family Guy, and I don't know if we need to. That's a beast in and of itself, but Futurama, I think, has the saddest sequence in television history in it. Uh, when Fry's dog is waiting for him at the pizza place in (laughs) in that episode, it is horribly sad. So, yeah, it's um, you know, Matt Groening uh, is a genius himself, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch what is it, Enchanted on on uh, Netflix. His um, I couldn't get into that one. Really? No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a chance I, I to watch. I tried. It. it was okay. It just wasn't anything like amazing. I mean, there's better stuff to watch, and I was like, "Yeah, I just can't get into it." Like the Dragon Prince, which so, I absolutely am obsessed with. <laughs> that's one I haven't watched. I got really bad with TV for a while. I mean, the fact there's I've, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've actually realized I kind of like the excitement of not binging a show like i'm watching lovecraft county every week and like i kind of like that anticipation and i forgot that i kind of liked not being able to sit there and be like i am going to watch 12 seasons of this show (laughs) over the next two days (laughs) yeah it's it's you know i agree it's a double-edged sword because there's some shows where i want it at once and give it to me like so the haunt like haunting on Bly Street is coming up pretty soon and I love the haunting on Hill House I want it that weekend and I want the whole thing <laughs> whereas the boys uh what you just said Lovecraft I like that built up like okay let's uh let's see what's gonna happen next week okay <laughs> and I feel like Netflix is one of the only channels that does the dump still like Hulu early on started doing weekly releases yeah. with handmaids and right. future man. I mean, HBO's always been a weekly release type right. place. Um, I think Netflix is one of the only places that still does. Here's the entire series. Go ahead and watch it. Yeah. There's only a couple shows, um, that they do the weekly thing. Uh, it's, it's not often, honestly, it's usually a binge and you're out sort of situation. All right. You got any final points on the way we've talked about cartoons before we move on? One, one thing, um, I did want to just say real quick is I don't watch all the things that DreamWorks puts out, but, uh, the one that Guillermo did, Troll Hunters, uh, on Netflix is very good and it's won a bunch of awards. But I will say one of my favorite trilogies that has come out in the last decade or two decades since Lord of the Rings has been How to Train Your Dragon. So good. I've seen so I've so good. I have to be honest because I've only watched it available on streaming. I've only seen one and at World's End. I have not seen two. Because it's not streaming anywhere right now. That's weird, since Netflix has the show, the writer's the, work or whatever. Right, and they don't actually have At World's End. Hulu does right now. 
Okay. Um, and I forgot who had the regular one. I think Amazon has the first movie. Okay. And then I don't, no one has the second movie right now. It's kind of like in this weird limbo where no one owns the entire series and streaming, which is very weird. It's very weird. Um, but yeah, like the, the music is, uh, ridiculously good. Um, if you listen to those soundtracks, you're, you're, it's, I'm not going to say it's John Williams level, but it's so high up there. The music is really, really good. Uh, the show is good. It's fun. And those movies, I, I don't know. I just think that they're fantastic. So um, if you have not seen the How to Train Your Dragon series, check it out. Their Christmas special is actually pretty fun, too. Just saying, so good. It's so good. All right, so I'm going to take us into Conspiracy Corner here and loop us back around to we didn't listen to the warnings our cartoons presented to us. <laughs> and I think it's true. Either our cartoons were very apocalyptic or we did not listen to the warnings. So it, it Sonic's the one that brought it on, and Sonic the cartoon has a lot more warnings about industrialization than the video game does i mean the fact that they're freeing people and that it was this idealistic world before eggman robotnik arrived um (laughs) captain planet also a very warning type show uh and then like thundar was apocalyptic in its own way but that was because an asteroid passed between the moon and this uh earth breaking the moon and casting us into darkness so but there were a lot of apocalyptic doom and gloom type shows it feels like in the cartoons and i don't think we listened to the warnings no i think you're right uh (laughs) (laughs) we did not you know and do you remember there's two sonic shows yes one's not that dark it's kind of lighthearted. yeah fun yeah, and and it's Sonic and the Freedom Fighters, right? I I don't like, know that... maybe that's the name of the group that he ends up with, but yeah, I remember watching that as a kid and being like this is not the Sonic of my video games. And no. then they and then maybe there was enough people saying that that they actually put out the one that is like the video game, but um yeah, you know, like I think that some of these writers do try to inject a little piece of um, what is happening in the real world and and kids, you know, you are as you are the the next generation that's going to take over this this planet. Like, hey, uh, this could happen, and maybe uh, pay attention, sort of thing. So, I'm glad that they do it. Um, I haven't watched Sonic and the Freedom Fighters or whatever it's called in, in a number of years to say if they did it in a good way or if they handled it shitty, but, um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's definitely I, interesting. I think that that's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's better than like, I remember watching this show. It was like battle Beetleborgs or something like that. And it was like, you know, when VR was the, the thing back in the nineties and those were always were like completely unrealistic and stupid. And I, 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 I think I like the real world stuff a little bit. Yeah. Well, and then Captain Planet was, uh, I mean, that was intentionally about For the sure. damage we're doing to the yeah. planet. 
Yeah. It's actually funny. A lot of Ness's books right now are my books from when I was a kid. You know, I went over to my parents and I picked up the boxes and got rid of the ones that were absolute junk and kept a lot of the good ones for, her. but I kept one cause it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it was an ABC's book. And I was like, Oh, this will be fun. And then I read it to the, fir- her the first time and it was ABC's of environmentalism. And it was like, A is for acid rain. C is for composting. And I was like, yeah, that was like all, and I'm not saying that environmentalism isn't still important, but like, there was a lot of craze around environmentalism in the 90s. And I feel like we're still living with us not listening to anything we learned from that. Reduce, reuse, recycle, Jake. <laughs> still an issue. Forest fires in California. We literally just, tra- you know, changed to paper bags last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been 20 years since they've been telling us like, hey, recycle those back well guess what we didn't (laughs) hey this stuff's bad for you and we're gonna train the kids that it's bad for you and then i think it's funny because you got like a whole bunch of older people being like these kids are environmentalist and i'm like did you ever sit down and watch what you let us watch of course we are it like told us of the horrors of not doing this stuff yeah exactly yeah like they were trying to do something back in those days, and probably before it. Maybe we just never paid attention in the 80s because we were too young. But, you know, the 90s, you're right, was a, was a big time for uh, really trying to get those messages out there to these kids. And, you know, I don't know if it worked. I remember <laughs> not, a, not good enough. Episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog where he actually has to go in an airplane and he sews the ozone layer back together as one of the plot points in the episode. So. Wow. <laughs> we did not listen to the warnings of our cartoons, people. We did not. No. So. Well, it's been fun talking about cartoons. You got right. any final cartoon points? I mean, I think you have full other podcasts where you talk about cartoons probably in a lot more detail than we did. I'm going to do a plug because uh, Chris and I have a, a comic coming out next tomorrow, tomorrow, the next day, uh, which is Pursuit of Plastic. And it is like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, actually, our artist said it's like Ready Player One with toys. And I thought that that was a really cool way of putting it. And we should have used it, but we didn't. But, um, you know, so you think about it when you, when you were a kid and you watch your Saturday morning cartoons, which isn't even a thing anymore, right? Like you've got, yeah, it's not a thing. So, uh, and you would get in front of the television for four to five hours. Right. And and you're watching just a block of cartoons flipping between these three channels. And I loved it as a kid. So this comic book is a, is a love letter to that and taking your toys and saying, uh, Spider-Man, Fights G.I. Joe, fights Transformers, fights... What was the one that you watched? The Moo Cows of... Cowboys of the Moo Mesa. Cowboys of the Moo Mesa. You know, so all those characters all fought off together and, and played together in a world. And, and that's what The Pursuit of Plastic is all about. is capturing those feelings that we talked about in this podcast. And um, super fun thing. So that's on Kickstarter throughout the month of uh, October. And I hope you guys uh, will help support it yeah uh i've seen 
what you've posted on Instagram, and I am excited about it. It looks really fun, um, and I know you're a big toy guy, so I feel like there's <laughs> yeah, going to be a lot involved. <laughs> well, I know Chris is huge, too. Like, on our group today, he's like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was checking the website that says whether it's shipped and our our Walmart pre-orders are probably stuck at the port and I'm like what are you talking about where are you getting this level of detail yeah, he's a little bit more I, I am a pretty hardcore toy collector but he is whatever the the guru level is he is there <laughs> yeah I mean I've tried to rely on well back when I was trying to find Ahsoka toys which were still relatively difficult to find a yeah. toy of Ahsoka today. Yeah. Um, I was like, hey, do you know where I could get one? And oh, he had some websites he could yeah, throw me yeah. to. Yeah. And then I started looking at the price and I was like, I'm not looking to pay that price for these toys. <laughs> like, I mean, I got my clone or Rebels Ahsoka now upstairs in the box. And then Nessa's got hers that's unboxed and she's lost one of the lightsaber hilts already and everything. <laughs> that's why I bought two. So. Yeah. Smart man. Yeah. Would love to get a bigger toy collection, but I got nowhere to put it and don't really need it. So, <laughs> oh, well, thank you for joining me. Um, back the Kickstarter. I'll probably be releasing this like Friday. So I'll, I'll put a link. Yeah. yeah. I'll put the link on it it's for our, I think we're up to 15 listeners now. So, Thanks, Everyone guys. go back that. And uh, so the quote to end us out today is going to be from The Flash from the DC Animated Universe. Life doesn't give us purpose. We give life purpose. Love it, man. Thanks for having me on again. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Have a good one. Cast this. <laughs>